It's snacking and get cracking with a snack that packs a protein punch. Pistachios are known for their protein power, fiber, and better for you unsaturated fats for a combination that may help you keep feeling fuller longer. Wonderful Pistachios is a good source of protein with zero gill. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. I love that they come in a variety of sizes and flavors, making this the perfect protein snack for any on-the-go adventure. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back to the Flow Track Podcast. I'm your host, Gordon Mack. It's a solo podcast today and unique. Kevin's still on paternity leave. We'll be back to our regular scheduling next week. We'll do pods live Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then ultimately getting ready for the Olympic Games, where we'll go live every day of the Olympics, reacting to all the craziness that Team USA will put on the track. I just want to do a quick recap of what we've seen kind of in the track world, and then we have two special guests uh, some interviews I conducted with uh, USA men's track and field head coach, Mike Holloway, also the Florida coach, obviously, and Hobbs Kessler, who just recently announced that he has won the Gatorade Player of the Year for men's track and field. So got to talk to him for a little bit. But first, I want to kind of recap what's happened over the weekend in a few days. Notably, the, 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 it's been the Europe summer of Kate Grace. I mean, she just ran another... Diamond League win. She ran 427 to win the mile, albeit it was against not as deep of a field in that women's mile. But when you take this 427 season's best of a mile and you add it to her three other 800-meter runs, it's an incredible four-race performance in Europe for Kate Grace. You never see this type of four-race run from someone who got seventh at the trials and then have like four incredible races back-to-back-to-back-to-back. Kate Grace uh, officially looking good on the track. And I, it, I mean, I talked about it as soon as she ran her first 157 back in her, her first of the four races. And I said, hey, we need to figure out a better way to select our teams. And obviously, I'm playing devil's advocate. I like the top three. I think we should keep top three. But what I was trying to point out is that the U.S. trial system top three leaves out great runners sometimes. And we're seeing that right here with Kate Grace. Now, I don't think I wouldn't replace her with anyone that was in that top three at USA's. I think we have a great team with the Thing Mo, Ajay Wilson, and Raven Rogers. However, I will say there's going to be a lot of other people at the Olympics who are not American that Kate Grace is better than. And it's just because the state of our sport where – we choose to make the most important event be a three-per-country contest, something that doesn't happen at Wimbledon, doesn't happen at the Masters. There's more than three Americans at the Masters or Wimbledon. But, hey, this is what we do. It's the Olympics. That's what makes the trials so much fun with all the drama. Also, not sure if this is a big deal or not, but the men's 800 on the U.S. side, coming off of the trials – we were looking good. Clayton Murphy looked like a world beater, looked like 
he was in contention to win not just another medal in the eight, but potentially win gold. And he's had a couple dud races. And now throw in Bryce Hopple, who's had a couple dud races. Should we be worried about the men's 800 at the Olympic Games for Team USA? Look at this notable result from, I guess it was just Gateshead on Tuesday. Bryce Hopple finishes fifth in 145. Murphy finishes sixth in 145. And Isaiah Harris, who was fourth at the trials, wins it in 144. It wasn't that that good of a field either, so it's not like Murphy and Hopple again beaten by you know Nigel Amos and Emmanuel Courier. It was kind of a it's a field that you expect Murphy and or Hopple to win, and they're just not having a great European season right now. But hey, our sport is weird, right? You can have these streaks of just subpar performances, and it doesn't mean anything because. Hopple and Murphy are just only going to be judged based off how they did USA's and how they do at the Olympics. So you can kind of worry about it. Murphy, I'm probably less worried about because he has shown that he's really good at rounds. Hopple, I don't know. He was third at the trials. He has yet to really put together a dominant like 143, 144 type performance for like a win. So I'm more concerned for Hopple than I am for Murphy. Murphy, I think he's a bet. He's going to figure out a way to make the make the Olympic final and put together his best race then. But hey, it's weird. And Isaiah Harris, another non-Olympian, just winning diamond leagues. So if you want to win a diamond league, you just have to not qualify for the Olympics. That's how it works. Because apparently, that's how Isaiah Harris and Kate Grace are going to get done. Anyway, I want to talk a little bit about what we have coming up. We have uh, two uh, recorded interviews, one with Mike Holloway. Now, it is a press conference, but it kind of gave some interesting tidbits. Uh, I asked Mike Holloway about the relay selection process because that's always controversial. I asked Mike about whether or not he um, thinks that USA, uh, the Olympics should be a team competition. Like, hey, should they announce a team champion? And gave his takes on that. And some other reporters were in the, on the presser. They asked about Mike Holloway's uh, past where he was working at a taco truck. Um, anyway, it's pretty interesting. Uh, and then after that, we'll have a interview with Hobbs Kessler, who, like I said earlier in the pod, just won Gatorade Athlete of the Year. Back-to-back NAU signees winning Gatorade Athlete of the Year. Nico Young won last year. Hobbs Kessler wins this year. However, Hobbs, he's a pro. I asked him about if he regrets turning pro because a name image likeness is now legal in the NCAA. I asked him about his season as a whole and uh, what his goals in 2022 are and just a good overall. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for what he's going to do. The, the vibe I got after that interview was Haas is going to lick his wounds from that Olympic trial semifinal performance and come back stronger in January of 2022. So it should be fun to watch. Um, yeah, so enjoy those two interviews. And we, before we get into these interviews, get a little housekeeping. We will have one more pod on Friday with a special guest. Uh, he's an Olympian. He's also a U.S. trials champion. His name is Paul Chalima. Uh, so we'll have him on Friday. And then, like I said, we'll be back to our regular scheduled programming with Kevin back in the the pod sphere talking track. And hey, I haven't told anyone this, but 
I think I'm going to be gambling these Olympic championships or Olympic games. There are 44 events. I think I might put $100 on every event and be willing to spend $4,000 to $400 to see if I can make some little dough. Because you would think someone who follows track and field all the time would know more than the lines bettors who never really put betting lines on track. They're always busy with football, baseball, basketball. I feel like I'll have a competitive advantage. We'll find out. You'll get to watch my highs and lows of whether I come out of the Olympics richer than ever or come out of the Olympics out $4,000. We'll see what happens. So we'll talk a little bit about that next week. See if I get Kevin to bet his house on Noah Lyles again. Anyway, enjoy these two interviews. And we'll see you then on Friday. What specifically is the process or your role involved with the formation of the two relay teams, the four by one and the four by four? I mean, it's, it's going to be a group collaboration um, with myself, with um, uh, Daryl Woodson, uh, with Warren Richburg and his assistant, Michelle Freeman. Um, what we've decided to do, even with the women's staff, you know, we're trying to make this a group effort. That's not a women's team and a men's team. It's a, it's the United States of America Olympic team. So we're all working together and, um, you know, we'll just diligently go through it and try to make the best decisions possible for the USA to be very successful. Is there a certain uh, criteria that you guys, like, do you know now who your team's going to be, or is this something that gets formulated halfway through the meet once the individual events are starting to come to, to a close? Well, I, I think the process was, you know, what they did at the championships themselves um, at the trials. That's what the trials are for to, to help, you know, weed through all this stuff. And um, so the big thing is, you know, you've got a pool of people based on their performances at the trials. And then obviously it's athletics, things happen. So if we had to pull people in, anybody that's on the team is eligible to, to, to participate in the relay. So if we needed to run Ryan Krauser, we could, but um, they have to be a part of the, the team. They have to be a part of the uh, team as a whole, or they can't participate, but uh you know, we're not going to overcomplicate this thing. You know, and I think that that uh, people have to understand it's this one method. And I think that's something that's been a problem in the past is everybody gets obsessed with the relays. There's, there's 21 other events out there that we do and we do well. So the focus of this team is to get everybody ready or help them get ready to perform well the, in their events. And the relays will take care of themselves as long as we let them take care of themselves. You know, now that this is finally getting close and the you know, I haven't talked to you about how, when was the first time you ever went to the Olympic Games? My first actual games was 1996 in Atlanta. Okay, and here we are, what, 20, uh, 25 years later, you're the head coach. I mean, what, what does this mean to you just to be in this role, uh, you know, and with all you've done in track? I mean, it's an incredible honor. You know, and I'll be honest with you, as I've with lots of people, I never thought about being the head Olympic coach. I always wanted to be a coach of Olympians and um, when I got the call and it was official, I was going to be the head coach. I mean, it's, it's very humbling, to be honest with you, when you're asked to, you know, lead the best team on the planet. You know, that's just an incredible honor. So, um, yeah, I mean, get, get, get a little goosebumps when you think about stuff like that. And what do you remember? Uh, what were you doing at those 96 games in Atlanta? What was your uh, role up there? <laughs> oh, I was coaching Dennis Mitchell, um, who ended up, I think he was fourth in the 100 at, the, at those games. So it was kind of bittersweet, my first Olympics. My guy was the first one out of the medal count. So, uh, but it gave me reason to kind of come back stronger later on. So it was good. And last quick one for me is just uh, 
Do you, are you, I mean, there's been so much, you know, recent developments with the Olympics, no fans. Now. I mean, how do you kind of just go into this? Uh, does it help being in a routine? Just whatever comes is going to come. But how, what's your mentality like as it, as it really gets here? I mean, you know me, I'm a man of faith. And so, you know, I'm, I'm going to pray about it and you know, ask God to cover me and everybody else on the team. And I trust the USA track and field staff and the medical people involved with you to track and field to make sure that we're doing everything to keep everybody safe. I'm going to get on the plane. I'm going to go over there and coach my butt off and come back home. That's what I'm going to do. Along those lines, you know, you were coaching Dennis Mitchell in 96. All these athletes have their own either college coaches or individual coaches. What, as a, as a head coach, what is your role? How do you, uh, how do you, uh, how much actually hands-on coaching will you do for these guys? How much more administrative? As far as the hands-on things, I've got six or seven athletes myself. I'll be there coaching, but right. and my role as the head coach is to make sure I take care of you know all the the official stuff, the bureaucratic stuff, the you know the paperwork and all the, those kind of things, and make sure that we give all the athletes that are competing there and their personal coaches all the tools they need to be successful. You know that's so, so we keep obstacles out of their way. It's no different than my role here, University of Florida. I just happen to be doing it for people that I don't coach on a daily basis. And so my job is to make sure that they have everything they need to come out there and compete at a high level so they can, you know, go after their, their, their dreams. That's, that's yeah. my job. Uh, you're still coaching Grant, right? Yes, sir. Okay. Can you handicap his chances and, and how you see him uh, coming out of this if he performs up to his capability? Uh, yeah, that, that, that was a kind of a backhanded way of trying to get me to predict something. Yeah. <laughs> I don't do predictions. I will tell you this, that we believe that if Grant executes at a high level, he'll be hard to beat. I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. You know, Grant is a phenomenal athlete. We all know that. I don't put pressure on my athletes to perform at, you know, at a certain level and run a certain time. My total goal with Grant is to make sure that he executes at a high level. If Grant goes out there and does his best and someone beats him, then they were just better than us that day. But my goal is to make sure that Grant's at his best um, for, you know, three more flights and hurdles. Yeah. Uh, I read where way back in the day uh, after you got out of um, Santa Fe that when you were coaching, I guess you're a volunteer coach at, at, at GHS or, or, or UF, or, where you were also working at, were you the manager of the Crystal and a taco stand? Wow, man, you did your research, didn't you? Yeah, I was <laughs> I was I managed I, I was actually an employee at Crystals. I managed a place called Taco Nacho. I was I was uh, at one point I was an assistant coach at Gainesville High School and a head coach in cross country there. And then I moved over to Buolts High School where I was I started as the head men's coach at Buolts, um, and then I ended up being the head boys and girls coach, and then the head boys and girls cross country coach, and then I transferred here to to Florida. So yeah. Yeah, I definitely did manage a place called Taco Nacho here in Tampa. What, uh, what do you remember about that? Was that uh, was that the kind of job you look back on it and you and you say, "I'm glad I did that," or or uh, and, and I learned a lot. It was humbling. Or <laughs> well, the, the thing I remember about Taco Nacho the most was that the food was too good and I ate too much. And I put on a lot of weight. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but other than that, I mean, there was I met some great people. There's some people that I still call, you know, they're still friends of mine, and um, it was it was a good time. And, but yes, it was humbling because back then I didn't have much. And I remember having to, to walk to work sometimes. I remember having to walk home after work at one o'clock in the morning and stuff like that. So yeah, very humbling. Definitely something I don't want to ever have to do again if I, if I can avoid it. So yeah. Is that the kind of thing that runs through your mind when you arrive at a, at a plateau where you are now? And I'm, I'm sure it's hit you before because it's not like you're new to being a, a big time coach, but 
you know, th this is a, when, when you go and you're the head coach of the U.S. Olympic track team, that's a, and that's about as high as it gets for a man right. in your profession. I mean, I mean, for me, to be honest with you, David, like I'm a grinder, you know, anybody that knows me, if I wake up in the morning, I'm coming in to get better. So I don't think about my past. I, I'm very grateful. I'm very blessed that I was able to move on from that situation, but it took a lot of hard work and dedication on my part. And so my job is to make sure when I get up every morning to, to continue that grind, to continue working hard, it'll be no different than we, when we get to Tokyo. I'm going to get up every morning. I'm going to have things that I have to do every morning. I'm going to make sure I go out every day and do what I'm supposed to do. And as long as I keep that mindset, I'm going to be fine. I, I never worry about things that are out of my control. Like I said, we have a phenomenal staff, not a good, a phenomenal staff at USA Track and Field that will make sure that I have everything. I need to do my job so I can help everybody else do theirs. How will you uh, come away from this game's measuring success? I mean, it, it's probably not just as simple as number of gold medals won. Uh, how, what, what will be your gauge, your metric? Like my, like my gauge for me is, is this, if I make sure that I do my job. You know, the athletes I have, if I prepared them well, the other athletes on the team that I'm, you know, they're in charge to make sure that they get the things they need. We don't make mistakes as far as not getting people the call rooms, not getting people the equipment they need to make sure they can be successful. As long as I go out there and work hard every day and do my best, I can walk away with my head held high. So um, it's not about medals. I mean, it doesn't take a rocket science to figure out that if we go out there and perform well, we're going to have a lot of great performances with this team. It's a young team that's phenomenally talented. And I think the big thing for us is just to be there for them and help them, again, get to where they need to be when they need to be there. If we do that, we're going we're gonna to have a great a great games. Yeah, one last one. It, is it nice in a way not having uh, Usain Bolt hovering over the games? Like he says, he's been such a dominating presence the last three Olympics. And I mean, he's great to watch, but I imagine as a, as a competitor, as a uh, someone who wants to win what he's winning, it also made it sort of tough to uh, convince, or was it tough to convince guys, you think, to say, hey, I can, you know, because U.S. Has, has been traditionally so good at sprints, but with, you know, with him there, it, it uh, you know, reality was that you were going to have to really perform great to beat Jamaica. Uh, yeah. is, is it is it a little bit different this time around? Well, I mean, I, again, I don't think that, I know for me anyway, I never focused on what Bolt was doing. I mean, he was a phenomenal guy to watch. He brought great attention and great publicity to the sport. But, you know, there were seven other lanes out there and you had to line up and do your job. And we got a lot of medals behind Bolt. And he, he pushed some of our guys to great performances during that time. So I, I personally think he was great for the sport. And, you know, we've got some young people that are coming up that could be that next kind of presence in the sport. And I think it's great because when you have such a great standard bearer, it makes everybody below them work harder. It doesn't discourage them and encourage them to work harder. So, no, I never had a problem with Bolt. He was a great ambassador for the sport, and I'm glad he came along. What does it feel like to see the journey of past athletes you worked with in their collegiate careers at UF progress to now training with you again for the Olympics? I, I mean, it's it's a wonderful thing to watch. Uh, we talk about these things in the recruiting process. We kind of have a, what we call a, a pathway to success. We talk about them during the recruiting process. So to go back and look at that path we talked about being on and seeing people realize that it's been a lot of fun to watch. And I mean, you're, you know, you're, once you're a Gator, you're part of this family forever. There's no such thing as a former Gator, you're a Gator great. And the fact that we have you know, to watch these young people continue to pursue their dreams is, is just, it's awesome. It really is. Yeah, and then following up on that, you've worked with Taylor Manson this past season in UF's 4x400 relay. How does it feel to now be coaching her for the 4x400 Olympic relay team? I mean, I am extremely excited for Spider um, because she uh, indoors didn't go quite the way she wanted. And we had a talk 
afterwards and she said you know she's always told me she wanted to be an olympian i said just remember there are no indoor olympics so your goal of being an olympian is still out there and the great thing about her was she trusted me i trusted her we trusted her training and she was right when she needed to be and she's now an olympian so i'm extremely excited to see her compete here in a few weeks well your career has been based around preparing to win team championships whether it's an indoor team championship or an outdoor team championship you're thinking about points thinking about how to get people in different finals. Do you believe that the Olympic games track and field should have a team championship aspect to it coming from someone in the NCAA where that's all you're really thinking about priority. Do you think Olympics should consider crowning a team champion? Well, I mean, you know, let, let me correct you on something first. I, I don't sit around worrying about how to get team points, to be honest with you. You know, my goal is, always to make sure my athletes are ready to perform at a high level. That stuff takes care of itself. And uh, do I think that the team aspect of the Olympics might bring a little bit more excitement to it? But if you're, if you're honest with it, you know, the U.S. is, is very dominant on a, on a, um, through almost through every Olympiad. So if, if we make that a team competition, like, like he just said about Bolt, how dominant are we going to be? I think that we have a wonderful product with the Olympic Games, and I don't think that it's something we need to tinker with too much. I think we need to keep doing what we're doing, promoting the way we're promoting it. There's a lot of bright young stars out there and changing the Olympic games in the format might push some of our fan base away. I'm not sure, but I happen to like it the way it is. So uh, I'm not sure if that answered your question or not, but uh, um, yeah, I'm not yeah, sure yeah. a team thing is really what we need, what's needed in the Olympic games, but honestly. Uh, Coach, obviously these Olympics are going to be very, very different from any in the past uh, with the COVID restrictions, the lack of uh, opening ceremonies and so forth. It seems like it would be pretty challenging to um, give the athletes the feeling, the experience of not just being a collection of individuals, but being actually a team. What what can you do or what are you planning to do to uh, kind of... Um, enhance that experience for the athletes? Uh, are you going to have team meetings? Will, will there be a, a chance for everybody to be together at one time? How's that looking? You know, I'm not sure about the team meeting and how that will or will not be handled. Um, but as I just said to Gordon, I mean, this is not about a team aspect. I mean, the team aspect is everybody coming together. We are the United States of America and everybody understanding how special it is to put that uniform on. So the, that will be my message As you know, remember the hard work, the dedication, all the things you did to get here to be an Olympian. Now come here and just be who you are. You know, if you're a nine, seven guy, be your nine, seven guy. You know, if you're a 20 flat, 19, eight, whatever you run the 200, be that guy. You know, whatever you run, if you're a women's 400 meter girl, you run 49 seconds, be who you are and you'll be successful. The mistakes that are made are when people come and try to be something and do something that they're not ready for or be somebody that they're not and worry about somebody that's in lane six. If you're in lane seven, take care of lane seven. I think that's a big thing. I always tell my athletes, and that'll be my message to anybody I talk to while we're in Tokyo is just be who you are. You know, I think it's the old thing. Dance with the girl you brought to the dance. And you'll be fine. Um, just one follow-up. I wonder if you have all of the protocol from the um, local organizing committee do you know what the situation is going to be like on the ground when you get there in terms of training and so forth I, I, like i said you know we have a wonderful staff at usatf and um, they've given us all that stuff um it would take me a long time to even try to explain it so i'm not going to 
but I am very <laughs> confident in the protocols that have been set forth and that everybody's going to be fine. You know, I think that, you. Like, you know, you can't control, you know, I'm big on controlling my space. So we're going to control what we can control with, with USATF and what we do, what other countries do, that's, that's kind of on them. We just have to make sure we take care of us. Can you just talk about what it's going to be like to have some of your former teammates like Eddie Lovett, who you're used to coaching now going against the U.S., who won't be on the U.S. team. What yeah. is that going to be yeah. like to, uh, to, for you to go against them? Is it going to be a little bit weird? Well, actually, I still coach Eddie, so it won't be weird at all. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, it's, 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 not, it's not like that. You know, this, this is, it's not like this head-to-head, you know, I got to beat you down type of thing. This is the Olympic Games. Just the fact that you can walking out, I mean, to me to watch a first-time Olympian, this is Eddie's second Olympiad, so it won't be the way for him. But, you know, like for Taylor or, you know, Denisha Anderson, who's with the Bahamas, you know, those folks, who's their first one, just watching the excitement in their eyes when they walk out on the track. That's what this is about. You know, Grant and Eddie have raced against each other tons of times. I'm not, that's not, this is not what that's about. You know, my goal as a coach is to make sure that Eddie's prepared to do his best, Grant's prepared to do his best, that anybody that I physically coach, that I make sure I've done my job to make sure they're ready to do their job. And if they do that, wherever they finish, they finish. As long as they're, they go out there and they do the best, I'm good with it. Congrats on winning a Gatorade Track Athlete of the Year. First and most important question is, what's your favorite Gatorade flavor? Thank you, thank you. I like lemon lime is my favorite, but uh, I prefer the powder Gatorade to, any, to the, the store-bought stuff. But uh, How much? The, the, how, uh, so you have like that big jug of powder Gatorade? That you go yeah, yeah that, that, I prefer that. I think it tastes way better. Uh, how long does that lemon. last you? A week? A day? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. My... my my mom, I just remember my mom would always have it when she was training for marathon. So it's, it's got a little bit of a sentimental thing. So obviously your season kind of came to an end a few weeks ago. You've had some time to kind of reflect on an incredible senior year. What would you kind of, what do you take away most from this breakout senior season that you had? Um, just all the, all the kind of, all the people that have been looking out for me and helping me along, uh, has been super special and uh it was, it was a pretty magical season like I don't know if if I'll ever have a season like where everything just goes my way um I would say with the exception of the Olympic trials like everything went how I wanted to, wanted it to go so it was, it was like one of those uh fairy tale seasons so pretty pretty crazy uh I'm yeah I'm, I'm still like a little bit in awe of, of what went down and um, trying to like wrap my head around it when you look at your year, you can kind of point to like your first sub four or running that 334 at Portland or, you know, competing well at the Olympic trials. If you take those like notable performances outside of it, what will you kind of remember most outside of like these big news flashy type headline performances? Um, I, I would say the, the four by eight, as far as like races and performances, the four by eight uh, at the state meet, Michigan State meet was was a big one just because me me and the guys on the team had worked for it like we we put it on our calendar and worked for it all year and, and we're super close and gave it a really good effort and that that was something I was really proud of us as a team for for uh doing doing well at that and really really giving giving it a go and then um also going to to Middle Beach and running a two mile was was fun because it was kind of a it was like a guy's trip down there with with my coach Ron and his son. Uh, we had a lot of fun doing that too. So, 
So obviously you kind of made headlines where you decided to forego uh, college eligibility and sign with Adidas. Um, and then a few, like, I guess a month later, the NCAA announced name image likeness was now legal where you can be paid for your, your likeness. Was there any thought in the back of your mind of, Hey, maybe I could have signed with Adidas after this and I could have been paid to still go to college and, you know, find a way to get a contract with Adidas through name image likeness. Um, no, I'm, I'm really, really happy with the way everything worked out and it, it worked out like really well for me. And obviously I'm, I'm, I'm bummed not to, not to be coached by coach Smith and, and be on the team with all those people. Like I, I really like the guys on the team. And so I'm, I'm, I was, I am really disappointed about that, but um, closing that door kind of opens up the door for me to stay with in my current situation with, with Mason Furlick and, and Ron Warhurst and, and the very nice crew. So uh, I was really, really sad about leaving them. And, and so now I get, now I get to stay and, and kind of keep, keep with that, which I'm super excited about it. So one door's closed, another one's open. Uh, but I'm I'm not super worried about the NCAA stuff because uh, the decision's been made, and I'm really happy with the path I'm on. So you're still going to enroll in, at NAU, correct? Mm-hmm. For the fall are semester. You, are there any plans to like you know train or do some like side workouts with the NAU team? Maybe even be like a honorary team manager or something like that. Yeah. Um, I would, I would love to be as involved as I can. And, uh, I can still like, I'm still rooming with my, uh, the signees in my class and stuff. So I involved as the NCAA allows, but I don't want to, don't want to bend any, any rules or anything. And early on in, in the recruiting, um, the coaches at NAU were like, told me like, we're going to, we're going to take care of you as a person first and foremost. And then as an athlete secondhand, and I was like, yeah, yeah, like that's just what coaches say and stuff. But they, they've really, really, really rung true to that, I, I would say. Um, Smith, Smith, Coach Smith and Coach Cornfield have, have looked out for me a lot, even though I'll never score points for NAU. So uh, just still having them present in my life, I'm super grateful for. Uh, and yeah, hopefully I can be involved in, in some capacity. We're still trying to work that out. But great. I'm so proud. Great people. Great program. I'm glad to have my name even affiliated with it so do you plan on uh doing any more races later in the summer uh no i my season's shut down i uh i ran out of emotional bandwidth i think at the end uh there on that last last round like it kind of came crumbling crumbling down so calling it down kind of wrapping my head around all the things that happened and recharging so now that you're have this off season you know altitude training in the fall what would what would you define success as for you in 2022? Typically, you're not this far along on your timeline at this young of age where you're you know running 334, you're making a semifinal at USA's. So what would you define as success or your goals in 2022? Um, well, my, my goal is to make the, the world championship team is the biggest goal, but um, I, I just want to keep getting keep improving and keep learning. Um, cause I am still young and, um, the other guys are going to be more developed and stuff. So as long as I'm, I'm improving, uh, and stay healthy and keep learning, I'm, I'm happy. But again, I would like to run really fast and make team the team. Is there anything that you can 
takeaway that you think will be a difference maker for you when you step on that starting line at the U.S. champs in 2022 that you'll now know better or be more prepared for that you weren't prepared for here in this first go around at the trials? Yeah, I, I think the biggest difference will be I'll have gone through a season as an elite runner already because uh, everything was new this year. I, I started it as like a 420 guy and then ended it as um, a 350s guy. So it, it just like everything kept changing and I never was in like a steady place. So um, being like in a not more stable, but knowing kind of where I am in running and having been through everything once I think will be the biggest difference. Uh, what you're going to watch the Olympics. I'm, I'm assuming coming up in a, a few weeks. Yep. I got to watch my boy, Mason. Um, he's ready to go. And, and, and Nick, right. You're a uh, honorary and Nick, uh, and training Nick. partner. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nick. Uh, when he took, when you look at the, the men's 1500 meter team, you have a good team. It's a young team with the exception of Centro with uh, Hawker and the goose. How do you think uh, the U S 1500 meter runners are going to do at the Olympics? Um, well, I, those guys like, uh, continue to like blow my mind, uh, of how good they are, uh, Hawker and, and the goose, like all of them. So they're all amazing runners. So I think sky's the limit. Like I wouldn't be surprised if any one of them picked up a medal. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're so far along in the running. It, it, it was pretty, pretty impressive. And even I think Hawker, like being in the call room and stuff, he, uh, He's, he was, was very mature for his age. So I don't think he'll have a hard time Last like, with, with everything being new. Cause he like, he was like sitting in the call room, like just, he was like the most relaxed one in there. Um, while everyone else was all anxious and pacing around. Last question. Obviously what you've done is very historical. You know, you're top of multiple lists all time as a high school athlete. Um, do you feel like what you did was once in a generation type performance like, what's your perspective on your accomplishments? Do you think it's out of body, like, whoa, I never thought I could do this? Or as you went through the season, these times as you running felt normal for what you were doing? Um, I mean, I don't, I don't think it was a fluke at all. Uh, I think after running 357, um, where I was, like, fitness-wise and experience-wise, I knew I could run a lot faster. I just needed the right opportunity. Uh, so, it, it, I don't know, like, We'll see how it, how it goes with in the future because I did have a really special setup and got really really lucky in terms of having um, elites to train with and a, and a really good coach, but while also being able to compete in high school seasons. So uh, maybe if someone if the stars align for someone else like they align for me, it could happen again. But I, I don't really have enough perspective to know like if this was a one generation thing or if it'll if it'll happen more often. I was just running running hard and that's what happened. So cool Hobbs. Well, thanks for taking the time and congrats again on uh, winning Gatorade player of the year. Thank you. Thank you.